Hey everybody, and welcome back to That Plumbing Podcast. This week, I'm talking with Mac from Plum AZ, and I came across him on TikTok, and he does plumbing videos of his repairs. He also has a YouTube channel, and he's got really good work, and we're both from the Phoenix area, so I reached out to him and see if he was interested in coming on and talking about his experience, putting content out on YouTube, taking advantage of social media, and he was on board. So we'll just go ahead and get started. Mac, how you doing this morning? I am great, Brandon. So I guess we'll just start with the basics. Where are you from? How long have you been in the plumbing? Stuff like that. I'm from the Queen Creek area. I've been plumbing for about four or five years now. I started when I'm 19. I'm 23 now. Did you go through like any type of apprenticeship or how did they, how was your training? How did that go? Because I know like Arizona, they'll just throw you in a truck. Only the owner needs to be certified. If you prove that you're capable, you can be in your own truck in six months or how did your training process go? Honestly, uh, that's how it went. I was going to school up at NAU. Then the whole COVID scene happened. So I was like, all right, what do I want to do? So I came down. My dad actually is a plumber for the company I'm at now, but they weren't hiring at the time. So we have this family friend that it was just a one-man show. He was like, sure, yeah, I'll take you. And teach you what you need to know and stuff. And when I started, I didn't even know what channel locks were, honestly, as embarrassing as that sounds, but I would ride with him for maybe a month or two. And then he just threw me to the wolves and put me in my own van. And I was making 10 phone calls each job, trying to figure out what to do and stuff. So I really just learned on the job as rough as it could be, just making every mistake you can make um, and just learning learning that way. Trial by fire for sure, it sounds like. Absolutely, Sink yes. Sink or swim. Now, there's definitely advantages to that route. The fact that you had, you were able to call him so much, that's always good. YouTube, there's lots yes. of sources online. So you went from NAU college student to plumber as a result of COVID, basically. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it, I didn't really know what I wanted to do anyways. So I was like, sure, I guess I'll do some schooling, see, see how that goes. I enjoyed it. But at the end of the day, I was like, what do I want to do as a career? Sure, I can go get a college degree. Is that a guarantee for a job? No, and it's definitely not a guarantee for a job that I'll enjoy. And then, like I said, my dad being a plumber, he's been a plumber for about 25 years. So I've done side jobs with him here and there, not really paying attention, just trying to make a couple bucks to go out with my friends and stuff. But I started that. And to be totally honest, a couple months in, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. This is not what I was expecting in terms of not knowing what I'm doing and in terms of not knowing how to communicate properly with the customer, not being able to tell them why I need to do what I'm doing, just doing it because that's what I was told. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of pressure on first-time plumbers in terms of getting their bearings on how to perform the work, how to communicate properly with the customer and all that good stuff. Absolutely. It's one thing to be able to go in, change an angle stop or solder or whatever, but handling the customer before, during, and after is like a whole different skill set. It's a whole different like trade as opposed to plumbing itself. What was the most difficult part in your opinion, of overcoming that barrier with the customer? It really came to a cross crossroads where I sat down and I told myself, all right, I really need to throw myself into this and learn as much as I can, as fast as I can, or this just is not going to work out. So I was every single job that I came across where I didn't 100% know what I was doing or why I was doing it. I would write it down on a piece of paper that evening, whenever I got home from work, I'd research it and type out some notes on it. And that was really the toughest part is just really saying, all right, no, this isn't school. No, I'm not going to get a grade. 
or anything like that. It's really, I have to take it upon myself to say, Hey, I'm going to make sure I know what I'm doing and not just go through the motions and show up for work, collect a paycheck and stuff like that. Right. Realizing that if you want to be good in this trade, it's going to take some self-paced learning, some initiative is the word I'm looking for, some initiative to brush up on the codes and the techniques and stay on top of it. It's like admitting that you don't know and then going and finding out. Exactly. Yeah. And especially in Arizona, like you were saying, it's the wild west out here in terms of plumbing. It's really up to you how good of a plumber you want to be. And yeah, that's probably the toughest part for plumbers here is it's really up to you. You have to make the choice to tell yourself, all right, I'm going to do everything I can to be the best plumber I can be. Because you can be like an okay plumber and still make okay money, 40, 50 grand or whatever. But if you want to get like over six figures, you've got to be on top of your game, educating yourself, learning from your mistakes, just getting uncomfortable and pushing yourself, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. The uncomfortable note too. For the first year or two, I was just uncomfortable every day, which is good though. Pushes a ton of growth. So, And before this, had you ever given plumbing like any thought? Honestly, no. Like I knew my dad was a plumber and I thought plungers, toilets, stuff like that. I didn't really know honestly anything about it. Never gave it a thought. In college, I had an idea of wanting to get married to my now wife. That was a pusher. I want to make good money. I want to have a solid job so I can take care of my family. That was also a big motivator too, is just the security in it. Yeah, absolutely. I've said many times that this job is very recession-proof, depression-proof, COVID-proof. So you probably got into the field during COVID or maybe just a little bit after all the shutdowns and whatnot? Yeah, in the middle of it, honestly, right when they started to shut stuff down. And, and then you said yourself, you didn't really understand what plumbers did. And when I first started, I thought it was nothing but plunging toilets and messing with poop all day. But uh, depending on the company you work for, messing with waste is not like you're constantly in it, constantly covered in it. Like I may do drains maybe, you know, 15, 20% of the time. So I guess what's really interesting is the fact that you're making these videos on TikTok and YouTube. When did you get into that and, and what made you want to get into that? I'm on all those platforms, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and I would always see some of the bigger characters. Like obviously there's Replum. He's a great guy to watch um, his videos. I just see him making those videos and they're just so satisfying to me to watch. And his little voiceovers are hilarious too. But uh, so yeah, a couple years ago, I just would record a job here and there, put some music over it and send it to my friends, just more of a joke. And then I think it was this past October, I was like, you know what? I have these videos. I might as well put them to use, see what happens. And that's pretty much where it took off from. Replum, he's the one that like he mocks the other plumbers criticizing him. Is, is yes. That, yeah. I've, I've watched his stuff as well. He's funny because it doesn't matter what you do. Someone's got something to say in the comments and it is so frustrating. Uh, it is, it's really annoying. The, the level of just hate that the community puts out for guys just trying to learn or just trying to put out videos. It's how do you deal with the haters? Because I'm sure you get them. I'm still pretty small. But when I one of my videos got some traction and a lot of comments and I was like, wow, I don't even know how to react, to be honest. Do I delete everything and just pretend all this never happened or do I just take it on the chin and keep going? At the end of the day, these guys are looking at this video for 10 seconds and throwing a comment out there most of the time just to make themselves feel better. And you really just got to think about it that way. They don't see your face. They don't, they're not talking to you in person. And I doubt they would ever say anything like that to you. So 
you really just take it on the chin and know the work you're doing is up to code. It's what you were taught. It's the right way to do things. And if people want to be super nitpicky, let them be nitpicky. At the end of the day, my joints are going to hold. Nothing's going to leak. Everything's going to be working properly. So, And one thing I've realized is that the homeowner doesn't care if your solder joint is absolutely perfect. <laughs> All these little things that they pick apart, like it's more about the customer service and the interaction and educating the customer. It's not about having perfect solder joints. Yeah. And to touch on that even a, a bit further, a lot of the times when I get comments, it's mostly just because the person commenting doesn't know the situation. Yeah. In a perfect world, I'd go in there and replace everything perfectly to a T, but is the customer on board with that and on board with paying with that? So that's really where a lot of the hate comments like why didn't you replace this 90 and stuff you're right there doing it it's because the customer didn't want to charge for it and i'm not going to do work for free obviously there's those one-offs when you're going to help a customer out they're great people they really could use the help you'll help them out but you can't do that on every job so that's where a lot of the comments come from i'm assuming you're a fan of giving options absolutely yes yeah and so the customer you might have given the option for the complete rebuild but the customer just whatever didn't have the budget that point and as long as you're having that conversation with the customer and they're choosing and you're not choosing for them, yeah, you, you, you're good. And certainly some random user, 2478, whatever on YouTube, is not going <laughs> to know what the conversation that you had with them beforehand and the relationship that you built. So it's really just angry people in the comments, angry plumbers in the truck by themselves all day, just in their head. For that sh split second, they get a sense of like power or that they're they're better than you in some way by commenting. And it really says to like the state of the plumbing field in general, like mentors breaking you down and picking you apart and using it as opportunity to make themselves look better instead of teaching and communicating with you. Was your mentor, he was, I'm assuming he was pretty good. He didn't bring you down or anything. He built you up. I mean, I'm not going to say he was the best plumber in the world, but he was very patient with me, which Looking back, obviously in the moment, I didn't realize it, but looking back, I really needed that because I was already pretty self-conscious about my dad being a plumber for so long and me not knowing a lick of plumbing. Him being really patient with me, really explaining everything. If a job's going to go 30, 40 minutes longer because I'm taking my time doing it, he was always on board with that. And that really gave me the confidence I needed to, the next time I do that exact job, I can go in there and know I can do it. It might take a little longer but that's okay because I know I'm doing it right. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's sad because we we need people. We need younger guys such as yourself in the field. And if the mentality is that the mentor is only going to pick you apart and, and criticize you, we're not going to get guys that want to come in. And so, like I said, in the past, part of this podcast has helped change that attitude and that mentality in the industry. Like change it so that people feel like they are they're being taught. Like they're learning and they're bettering themselves because the money's there for sure. Absolutely, yeah. How do you wish the public would see us as plumbers? Not that butt crack hanging out and just, <sighs> how do you strive to present yourself in front of customers? That is a great question. I would hope that they would see us as people with a ton of knowledge about their whole plumbing system. Not just like you, you've said on the podcast before, broke fix people. We don't want to go in there and just fix their little problem. We want to look at the whole system and make sure everything's up to par because nine times out of 10, 
if something's broke, there's something that caused that. So if I would hope that they would see us as knowledgeable people who aren't just dummies, for lack of better words, that go in there and unclog toilets. And there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more learning that goes into becoming a competent plumber. And also, I've said it before, but being in Arizona, that's a tough, that's a tall task just due to the barrier to entry being so low. You just don't know who you're getting. And when you find someone, you you definitely want to stick with them like a doctor. What is your favorite part about plumbing? That is a great question. Think about it. Say my favorite part is probably building a great relationship with a customer and seeing them often, not necessarily because their plumbing is horrible and we're not fixing it just because I know that they trust that we'll give them the correct information. We're going to give them options on repairs. We're not going to be misleading just to make a sale and knowing that they actually trust us and that they recommend us. And whenever they do have an issue, they don't even think for a split second. They're like, oh, yep, I'm going to get Mac out here from so-and-so company. The relationship building process, the just being that, being that person that you're, you're connecting with them, you're solving their problems. That, that's awesome. I love that because that's where I'm at, building the relationship, providing options, being someone who they respect. Yeah, that's definitely powerful. What is the worst part about plumbing? I'd say the worst part about plumbing for me is on-call. That's probably one of the top things. But even then, there's pros and cons to it because, yeah, you might get called out on emergency call on the weekend or something like that, middle of the night, but you will get compensated nicely for it. So there's pros and cons to it. It sucks leaving your family in the middle of the night or if you're at a family gathering, you have to go. It's a holiday. You have to go but they do compensate you nicely so it balances itself out. Yeah, being on call can be terrible, especially if it's something that could wait. Yes, and nine times out of 10, I don't know what your kind of clients are, but we have a lot of commercial clients at where I work and they're just getting a phone call from a tenant saying, this is wrong. And then the property manager calls in saying, hey, we need to get a plumber out there. And I swear at least half of the times, it's something that definitely could have waited. Mm. That's a big frustrating part about it too, because you, you get out there, typically it's far from me because I'm in the corner in Queen Creek and you get there and it definitely could have waited. Yeah. Like I, I like money, but I also like my time with my family as well to come definitely. change out a flapper at two in the morning or something. Definitely. So would you prefer residential or commercial and why? Honestly, they both have their pros and cons again. Just like on call, I guess the pros of commercial are a lot of them have a do not exceed price. So as long as say your price is six fifty and the do not exceed is seven fifty, you can go ahead and just go and do the work. You don't have to talk to anyone or ask anything, ask any questions. You can just go in there, do the work, and be on your way. Tough part about commercial can be if it is over that do not exceed, you're a chicken with your head cut off calling different property managers trying to get a hold of who's making the decisions to get everything set up. And then you have to deal with the tenants being mad at you most times. And then the property managers not communicating with the tenants. So then everyone's not on the same page. That's the tough part about commercial. Um, The good part about residential is it should be the decision makers right there in front of you. So there's no questions, no miscommunications. Hopefully you can go over the options you want to give them and they can make a choice and you can do it right there. As far as given options you had mentioned earlier, was that something that you did initially? Was your mentor 
an option giver or is that something that you had to learn and incorporate yourself? So my, at the first company I was at, they were, it, it was just the one man show and I was the helper and it was just get in there, fix it, get out, just put blinders on, look at the issue that you're there for and then get out of there. And hopefully they don't find anything else that we should have noticed. That's how it was for that my first year. So I never knew anything about options or I don't want to say sales, but sales in terms of plumbing. And I know you use Service Titan. That's actually what we use too. And that's kind of for the past three, three years while I've been at my current company, they've really been going over options and it just seems to be really working out for the customers. They can't purchase something that you don't offer. First company was get in, get out, broke fix mentality. You switch to this company. And they, since you've been there, started to drift towards options? Like they were the ones that started promoting the idea of doing it? Or how did that play out? At first, they they were using a service called Jonas. I don't know if you've heard of that. And then when they switched over to Service Titan, they realized how much they could actually do with it. And with all the updates, I'd say the past two years, we've been every meeting going over how to build a solid estimate with all the three good, better, best options, how to present it, how to send it in. Yeah, they're really training us well on building those really quick in your van and getting them out to the customer. And with Service Titan, you don't have to worry about, am I pricing myself out of a job? Am I going to make no money on this because I underbid it? And especially with the options, it really just displays it perfectly for the customer to see. Service Titan definitely makes it it's easier to create options. The company I was with, the company I'm still with, when I first hired on, they were using Service Fusion, which is not, let's just say it's not as easy to give options. And so they just weren't given options because it was too much work and for other reasons. But yeah, Service Titan really makes it easy. You build it, duplicate it, remove what you don't want. That creates a second option. It's pretty seamless. And everyone's catching on at your company or they have a lot of guys quit because of the option given process or? It definitely was a bit of a learning curve for for some of the techs who have been doing it a while. It was definitely tough for them to learn the technical side of it and then also having the patience to sit in the van and really type it out, work it out for the customer. That was probably the toughest part for them. I loved it because in my eyes, it only gives me the ability to make more money and the company more money. Until you learn how to do it efficiently, it just seems like a waste of time. Yeah, it can be pretty awkward when you're spending 15 extra minutes in the van writing these up and, and then for whatever reason, they maybe they don't go with it and you think it's a waste of time. But now I'm sure you can write estimates pretty fast now that you got the muscle memory down and you know the process. Absolutely. Yeah. And the thing is, you'll write up an estimate on if there's a water heater that's eight years old, it's not looking in the best shape, it's not leaking. I'll write an estimate up for it. And then six months, a year from now, I'll get a call from the office saying, hey, this this estimate you sent out is approved. And I'll have to look back in my history, not even knowing that I sent an estimate for it. So it'll come back to help you out, whether it's them going with the job or them using you again for an estimate because of how easy it is to see all the options and having all the options listing what is included in those options. So they... It really pays you back in the long run, building all those options and estimates, even if you think they might not go with it right then. I think we forget that. It's not like I have to sell it right now. If I don't sell it right now, I failed. But if you do it right, you build the relationship, you send the estimates, maybe they really just don't have the budget at that point, whatever the reason. But when it's time, 
they're going to call you if you've you know built that relationship properly. So what what are some areas in plumbing and the plumbing industry you think could use some improvements? I would like to see a basic training, I guess, that people would have to be run through. Because I know, yeah, we've said it before, in Arizona, you can just be thrown in a van. It would be nice if there was some sort of test, just a basic plumbing test that you would have to take. And I feel like that would weed a lot of the jerry-riggers in the valley out, which would be nice for everyone. It helped the customers trust plumbers more, which that's always what we want. It would help companies be able to hire techs easily because when you're hiring a tech now, you're just praying that they know what they're talking about and they know what they're doing and they'll present themselves nicely. Uh, I actually have a buddy who just got his journeyman's license a few months ago and he was explaining the the process to me. And it's really not too bad. It's a, I think it's a six-week course I forget the name of the place where you take it. You go like Monday and Wednesday for five to nine after after work. And then you take the test at the end of it and you get your journeyman's. Uh, that's like how it is in Louisiana. You have to have that. But it, going over the codes and whatnot, it's not very hands-on, but knowing the code is a pretty good thing. And if you're licensed, it, it justifies the rates. Like, hey, I'm a licensed journeyman plumber. But since it's not required, I don't think that's going to... People are just going to start doing it for their own good. What is some advice that you would give to guys thinking about getting into the field? Some advice, I would say if you're really serious about it, know that it is definitely a great option. It's not the most glamorous job or anything like that, but if you're willing to get a little dirty and like working alone sometimes, you can, you're free to do what you want for the most part as long as the work gets done. I think it's a great option. Also, when you do get started, just make sure, like we hit on earlier, that you're really paying attention to everything that your lead tech is doing. Make sure you're watching how he does stuff. I know you've had an episode with Grant where he went over, sometimes you'll learn something from the plumber you're following and then other plumbers will have another way to do it. And that's totally fine. Just make sure you figure out how to do it one way really well and then everything else will fall in place. And then also watch how your lead tech is talking to the customer and explaining things. I think that's the biggest thing I'm glad I did is every job I would literally be staring at the lead tech talking and explaining things to the customer. And it's really just a free class on why you're doing this exact repair. And it's completely repeatable to future customers. Paying attention, not being on your phone, and like literally just staring because when I was when I first started, I had to work I did two years as an apprentice, and they wouldn't let me touch tools in the beginning, so <laughs> I just literally stared at the whole time, just taking in what they're doing and then talking to the customer because that brings us to what we talked about a little bit earlier is you have your technical ability, actually plumbing, and then you have the service side, which is communicating with the customer how How do you feel about the technical versus service side the technical side I feel very good about now it, it really is it's weird it seems like a few years in everything clicked and made sense it's like I realized oh everything is tied together one way or another but anyways the sales part and the service part is what will set you apart as a plumber in my opinion delivering great service to your customers they'll request you back whenever they have issues that's more money for you and the company you know you're going to be going into a situation where they know you, they're happy that you're there. 
They're not going to be scoffing at your price because they trust you. And then the sales, which is service in itself, that not only helps you make more money, it'll help the customer be aware of every issue in their house. They don't have to go with it just because you pointed it out. But I'm sure it makes them feel better knowing that they have someone that will tell them if something's wrong. Yeah, someone, like you said, trust. And and most customers don't know off top that there is a whole plumbing system that is connected. Everything's connected. They think, oh, it's just a leak here. It's, that's the problem. Let's fix it. And so, like you were saying, being able to build that relationship and educate them and, and them trust you to go with your options at the end is, I think that's, that is what sets you apart in the service plumbing field. Let's see. So you got YouTube and you got TikTok. What is your process for producing? How does that work out? So right now it is a pretty rough draft every single time. I have a little tripod. I'll just put my phone on there, set it up, and I'll press record before I do each little thing. Obviously, I'll have everything set up so that it looks super easy and fast on the video. But in reality, there's a lot of preparation. I'll take a ton of little clips of the job I'm on and then when I get home, after I take a shower and eat, I'll sit on the couch and kind of piece it all together and throw some music on it. Yeah, it's really enjoyable, honestly, seeing it all come together at the end. Where do you see this going? Is this just a, a side thing or would you do YouTube full time or how do you see yourself with online content? Right now, it's really just for fun. I don't. I wouldn't imagine I'd stop anytime. It's just really fun for me to do. And I love all those plumbers that have a thousand pictures of all their jobs that they've done and they'll scroll through them and be really proud looking at them and show them off to people. That's how I am with my videos. I mean, if stuff started picking up and I could make some money off of it, great, all the better. But at the end of the day, they're just so fun to make. I wouldn't care if I had zero followers, I'd still have all those videos to look at and be proud of. Dad, it sounds like you're in the right spot. You're not doing it just for money. You're doing it because you you really enjoy the process and, and the work. And, and you can handle the haters. That's a skill in of itself. I was actually wanting to make this podcast, the plumbing podcast, for, I don't know, year or so. And I would just always go to record and maybe I recorded and then I just wouldn't post it because I'd be so afraid of what other people said. But it's totally freeing when you can just post it and just go on your day. Just it's not the end of the world. If you get a bad comment or anything like that, it's just, it's a fun thing to do. I know, totally. And it's actually funny for the first few weeks of me posting videos and stuff, I didn't even tell my wife or anyone. I was just a little bit embarrassed to be honest with you. But after a while, it's just, yeah, this is what I do. You can make fun of it, but no, I, I like it. So say what you want, but I'm going to keep doing it. And no, uh, no one successful or happy is leaving negative comments. I doubt Replum is going out there and leave, leaving negative comments on people's video. For sure, yeah. yeah. So now everyone knows. Does your, your boss and all know about the videos? Yes. Yeah, they found out. I was nervous because I was thinking maybe they'd ask me to stop or something. But no, they're, they love it. They followed me and they'll like all the videos. And I think it helps that I'm doing clean work for the most part. It makes them proud, I like to think. so. You don't show your company's name or anything like that. So I don't see why an employer would have a problem, but there's always that chance. Yeah. The online content is really interesting because I'm going to start doing YouTube as well. The podcast is easy. I can just, you can call me on the phone. That's what you did today. And I just press record. It's a great way to network and all that. But in general, aside from plumbing, are you into YouTube? Do you watch a lot of videos, TikTok? Honestly, I don't know if I've watched a single TikTok in my life. I really just 
make the videos and then the app I use, I can post them to all three platforms, YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. I do watch quite a bit of YouTube and Reels, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, YouTube's kind of my nighttime routine. I'll turn on some replum or some sort of random things. I'll go down rabbit holes, honestly. And then Reels, I'll watch. I follow a ton of plumbing Instagram pages, and I just love watching those videos. And it honestly helps me narrow down my editing process and how to make my videos a little better and different angles and shots that people do that I have started to implement. Yeah, give you some inspiration, see how others are doing it. I don't have Instagram, but I probably should. Yeah, and to be honest, probably half of the Instagram reels are taken off TikTok, so... I see. You're getting best of both worlds on Instagram, in my opinion. So there's a big plumbing entity in Instagram Reels? Oh, yeah. Before YouTube or TikTok, I was just posting on Instagram for probably a couple months, to be honest. And yeah, there's a huge community on there. A lot of bigger, I guess I'll call them influencer, plumber influencers that I follow and enjoy watching their stuff. Is there the same potential for making money, like say on YouTube, on Instagram? I would think so. Yeah, there's a lot of ambassador programs with Odie and those bigger companies where they'll fly out, have you look at new products they have. And then there's a lot of promotional stuff, whether it's a smaller company that has a product or a tool they love, they'll send it out to you. They'll pay you some money to make a video on it and talk about how great it is and stuff like that. So I'd say it's pretty even um, YouTube and TikTok, at least in with my knowledge, it is. So my theory or my goal is to take videos and put them customer facing. And what you do is, so Brandon the Plumber, I have a YouTube channel, Brandon the Plumber, start making videos that like are a game towards customers, like how to change a flapper, how to change a fill valve, how to flush your water heater, have these like basic videos and like Service Titan will send the customer a text when you're on your way. Have that link to your YouTube channel in the text. And so like, she's got 30 minutes, 30 minutes before you get there, that gives them time to go to your YouTube page and just get to know you. You have an introduction, you tell them what your philosophy is, the whole idea of giving options. So when you get there, the customer has watched your videos and they already have a trust built into you. I, I think that is really powerful. And that's my next phase to start implementing that. Have you ever thought about going customer facing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've talked with the owners of my company and they, they have an Instagram page and all that. And we've talked about making some informational videos and stuff where we're just set up at their shop with showing how to flush a water heater, how to change your RO filters, stuff like that. So that'll probably be coming out pretty soon. And I think that's a great idea. I know you've talked about it in a, in past episodes, but it, your company sends the customer like a little profile of who's coming out. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Through service Titan. Yeah. I think that is, that's just great. It puts the customer at ease. They can see who's going to be there, know a little bit about them. It definitely turns into conversation starters. And I love that idea. Conversation starters. That just, you mentioned you have a YouTube channel to the customer. You're like a celebrity <laughs> in some ways <laughs> in their house. In my opinion, online content for plumbing is such an untapped market. They do have some famous plumbers. They do have some content, but it is by no means saturated at all. And so if you can start putting out some content 
and be consistent with it, you're going to get a following. You're going to get noticed. And there's just so much potential. There's so much earning potential on the social media and marketing side. Absolutely. And just to touch on that further, when I first started uploading, I told myself, all right, if I upload five videos a week, which is totally doable, a year from now, how many videos is that? And how many videos is that for people to view? In my mind, there was almost no way for me not to grow at least a decent amount. If I keep posting and I'm very consistent with it and the product, the final videos slowly start to get a little better and better as I get better with editing and stuff. Guys who might be interested in posting videos, and you may agree, you post something. For me, it's a podcast. You have the videos. Let's say you post your first video and it gets 10 views. That's 10 views, but you also, if you keep being consistent and you keep posting, one day you'll have 20 episodes or whatever, and then they go back to your page, they like what you post, they go to your page, and then they start binge-watching all your episodes. So don't think that just because one video doesn't get a lot of views that it wasn't worth it or it's not valuable. No, this is a backstock. This is a catalog that you have, and it's more value you have to offer the person that goes to your page in two months. And it really hooks them in on binging and watching all of your content. Absolutely. Every single day, I'll get a comment on a video from months ago, whether it's a question or them saying, nice job or something like that. And then after that comment, before I know it, every single video that I've posted is liked and stuff by this specific person. And that's happening constantly from videos that were posted months back. Yeah, definitely, like you said, building up a catalog is super important. And all you need is just one or two videos to really pop. And then all those people, like you said, go back, look at your page. And then before you know it, all your videos have comments and likes and views and everything's great. The way I see it, let's say you're doing what you're doing, you're putting out content, you have a YouTube page, you have a TikTok page, you're talking to your customers when you're with them, you're bringing it up, they know that you have content, they trust you at the end of the day. Yes, you work for a company, they trust the company, but ultimately you're the person that they trust. And it's in the way where doctors, the doctors own their clients. You go to a doctor, you like them, you trust them, you keep going back to that doctor. You don't go back to Banner Health or you don't just go to a hospital because you trust the hospital, you trust the doctor. In the same way, in the future, plumbers are going to own their own clients. They're going to build a following and people will know them, Mac the plumber, Brandon the plumber, and they'll reach out to you and no matter what company you're working for, they're going to follow you. And so I, I really think that's like the, like a big step that we can take in the industry is, is plumbers understand that they own their clientele, not the company. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. I've even seen it with property management companies that we deal with where a property management company will get bought out and then those property managers will go to a different company and then give us their business for the new company they're at. So yeah, just like you said, they'll follow us around because they know we offer a great service and we're going to be honest and forthcoming with them. Yeah, because finding a plumber that you trust is definitely a valuable thing. I have customers that follow me from other companies All right. So when it comes to plumbing, I say one of the largest attractors is the earning potential because we're just being honest here. Plumbing is not a fun thing to do necessarily. It's not pleasurable. It's demanding. It's tight spaces. It's dirty. It's messy. So one of the largest attractors to people is going to be the pay and how much you make. And I'm sure you've seen the range of what you could make coming from like college student to apprentice to now you're a full-on technician. How, how, how has your earning potential been? 
How, how, have, how has your earnings increased? They've increased absolutely every year by a lot, which is great. Obviously, when you're starting out, you're going to get paid what you're going to get paid because you're getting taught while you're being uh, paid. So you'll get 15, 20 bucks, whatever you're getting paid, but you're getting paid to learn. And really knowledge in this business, at least knowledge is really your earning potential. So the more you learn, the more repetitions you have, the more efficient you get with each job and call, the more you're going to make. It's really like you're your own little contractor and you choose how much you want to make. I'd say the biggest part is the switch from hourly to commission. That's by far the biggest jump I had. And I'm sure everyone else has had too. It almost makes it fun at that point because you'll finish up a call and you'll finish out your cash sheet, take out your parts and however you guys do it. And you'll see how much you made after that job. And it just feels so good. Now at the end of the day, you can tally it all up and be like, yep, I made this much today. That's awesome feeling. There's just no question. If you can get on the commission and you can make over six figures for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's motivating the way you said it's fun. It's, it is because like you have to be all in, you have to be focused talking to the customer because that directly affects your paycheck. And I've been on the hourly thing and it's just a routine. It's, it's just a grind. Why, like why sell a dig job and dig a trench when I could just go to a next call? I get paid the same driving versus digging versus flapper and as far as earning potential i'm sure this is on the extremely high side but i know technicians slash managers that have been doing it for 20 plus years that are making upwards of two hundred thousand dollars a year and that's just purely based off of all the knowledge they know any plumber can call them with any question and they'll have an answer for it so yeah knowledge is your best friend in this trade and the thing is, it's completely up to you to go find that knowledge and learn it. Knowledge is definitely power. Plumbing is not something taught in school, per se, especially service plumbing. There's online content. There's guys out there. There's Chris Fresh from the Plumbing Sales Coach, Joe Cressera. There's a, you know, a lot of guys out there that can help you, especially on that service side. Have you ever heard of Plumbing Sales Coach or Joe Cressera? Yeah, I actually heard you talk about them on your podcast, oh, yeah. so I actually checked them out. Great stuff. Really great stuff. All right, Mac, I think about does it for this episode. How can people reach you if they want to? You can reach me at plum underscore AZ on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Leave a comment, subscribe, follow. But yeah, you can reach out to me on those platforms. Great. And I'm Brandon at thatplumbingpodcast.com. Send me an email, questions, if you want to be a guest, uh, free coaching, whatever. Just reach out to me. Do you have any advice for technicians that are stuck in that broke fix mentality? I'd say that's totally fine if you want to stay doing broke fix jobs. Just know that at any time, it's completely up to you to push to get to that next level where you're giving options and you start noticing your income go up. You start noticing your customers being a lot happier and you end up being a lot happier because your income's going up and your customers are happier. You can stay in that range if you're okay with going in there, fixing the issue, getting out, going on to the next call. But I promise you it's a lot more rewarding when you really take a couple extra minutes to get to the root issue and relate to that customer. The customer's going to appreciate it tenfold. That was perfectly said. Like You can spiral upwards instead of downwards. All right, guys. We'll see you all next week. And cut. <laughs>